welcome back everyone to 420 Pod. 420 Pod is presented by the 420 Clinic, a medical cannabis resource center in southern Alberta. Visit us online at 420clinic.ca or connect with us through social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. My name is Matthew Lundy. Today's episode is all about regulation and compliance. As we count down to legalization next summer, one of the biggest questions is, what will happen to the underground market? Much like BC up here in Canada, California has been growing amazing cannabis underground and now faces many challenges to get those growers properly licensed. One man leading the charge is Gooey Rabinsky. He's a writer, photographer, and cannabis advocate living in LA who is helping black market operations go legit. Here's a clip of my conversation with Gooey, who joined me over the phone from Los Angeles, California. I'd now like to welcome to the program our special guest. He's a technical writer and photographer living in Los Angeles, California. He's written for High Times, Herb, and Mass Roots, author of Understanding Medical Marijuana. That book is available on Amazon or through his website, GooeyRabinsky.com. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Gooey Rabinsky. Hey, man. Thanks. How's that for an intro? It, you know, it's. I hope I can live up to it because... Uh, you know, I don't remember all of the book that I wrote, but they tell me it's all right. Well, so I've been telling everyone up here in Canada what a big deal you are, so uh, you're, you're not going to let me down. I, pr- I promise I will try not to. So to begin, if you wouldn't mind telling uh, the audience a little bit about yourself and the work you're doing right now down in L.A. Well, I, I moved to California about a year and a half ago specifically to focus on compliance documentation for cannabis businesses. And that's just a fancy way of saying uh, as legalization rolls out across North America and, you know, uh, also around the world, but we'll just keep this uh, a little less complex and focus on, yeah. on North America right now. Uh, obviously, businesses and individuals who have been operating on the underground for maybe a few years, maybe decades, uh, they're all wanting to go legal, right? And yeah. when I was in Humboldt County for 10 months uh, working up there on outdoor cultivation uh, applications and you know business plans, writing those for clients, uh, I would meet fifth-generation cultivators. Uh, It was all they knew how to do, Uh, but unfortunately, they typically don't know how to balance a spreadsheet or or run a business, and that's what folks like me are doing. We we believe in the plant. We believe in, you know, a 21st century economy that involves hemp and cannabis, cannabis both for adult use and medicinally. And uh, so, so do these other individuals, but they don't know how to legalize. They don't know how to run a legitimate business, especially a business that's going to be as highly regulated as cannabis in both Canada and the U.S. Right. That's a good segue to let's talk about California's distribution framework. Where are you guys right now with your framework of unlegalization? At what stage are you at? Are you selling any stores or is that still coming? Well, California is unique in that it's had 20 years of very low regulation of medical program, okay, since Proposition 215 in 1996, okay, we're on 21, yeah. more than 20 years of that now. So in a way, culturally, uh, it's very normalized here in California. Right. What is What we're not used to here uh, is 
adult use legalization, and that's supposed to kick in very shortly here on January 1st, 2018. Gotcha. Uh, in California, like most states, they're not ready. Now, are they going in the right direction? I Yes, I, I think so. Uh, you know, everybody's always going to argue over the nuances of the regulatory measures and the oversight. Um, but, it, you know, it's certainly better than what we had 20 years ago with, uh, you know, and even to a large extent today, uh, it's said that there are five or six um, Mexican cartels operating in Humboldt County alone, and that's just a little slice of the Emerald Triangle. Right. How do we push those uh, those criminal forces out? They're not paying any taxes. You know, they're walking around with AK-47s and mean pit bulls and there's sexual trafficking and there's a lot of very bad elements. I see a lot of parallels to what's going on in Canada, actually, maybe not with the uh, that level of, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) sexual trafficking or anything. But I'm definitely seeing like, especially in B.C., you have this culture of growers that have been doing it for so long and we're about to hit we're about less than a year away from regulating. So in your case, January 1st. Who's allowed to grow it? Who's allowed to sell it? And how is it being taxed down there? Right. Um, well, it's what makes it so complicated, especially in Southern California. You know, Los Angeles is the largest metro area in the United States at 14 million people. Uh, that gets sliced up into a whole lot of complicated uh, municipalities. Mm-hmm counties and then we've got state regulatory oversight too yeah and and so if you want to get into the cannabis business you have to satisfy all three levels of regulatory oversight often it doesn't exist at the county but then sometimes if you get outside of a a municipality uh you've got it only at the county level because you're in an incorporated area so that's where people like me come into play because it gets so complicated, it takes attorneys and, and CPAs and, you know, senior technical writers like me who, who understand the framework of, of the regulations and can fit the business aspirations of the entrepreneur who wants to, you know, start a cannabis business. That's got to fit into the regulatory framework. Uh, sometimes what I'm doing is being paid to tell people to, to analyze their situation and tell them, no, you really, you can't have a dispensary on that corner right. in that particular town. Now, maybe you can do it 20 miles down the road or even on the next block. It gets into zoning yeah. and, and when setbacks. It gets frustrating because a lot of these municipalities might not even have their rules set yet, their rules written yet. So it's a huge scramble, right? Exactly. You, you, yeah, you bring up a really good point. And there's also barrier to entry. Like if you're a small business might cost you $200,000 to launch your business. And sometimes that's actually considered cheap. And so, uh, okay, Costa Mesa, I just uh, wrote uh, an application for a processing facility in Costa Mesa, Mm -hmm. California, outside of Los Angeles. Uh, That municipality took $50,000 from my client just for the privilege of submitting their application. Wow. If they're accepted, They'll owe Costa Mesa about $25,000 every single year as just uh, basically a processing fee, quote unquote. Right. Uh, so there is a cost of doing business here, and I, I just say that because I, I understand the impulse of people saying, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to work for a Fortune 500 anymore. Uh, I don't want those golden handcuffs. I would rather uh, jump into uh, the cannabis industry. People just have to realize that there are uh, there's a lot of red tape, a lot of hoops to jump through, and sometimes a very large expense. Um, are you worried about product shortages come January first? 
Not at all. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. <laughs> I think it's because of all my time in Humboldt County. I, I just, I right. saw Getting operations that were right? mind blowingly large. Yeah. Well, and a lot of them are going to stay on the black market quite honestly. Uh, and then there's going to be what I call the hybrids who, uh, you know, if they grow a theoretical hundred pounds, 80 pounds goes out the front door and it's all track and trace and legit and 20 pounds goes out the back door and it goes back to Kentucky right. and Chicago and Toronto mm -hmm. for 400, $500 an ounce. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also want to ask you a few questions about um, socioeconomic, like um, public consumption. What's the public consumption um, story down there? Because in some provinces up here, we're trying to do public consumption. Other provinces are saying you can only do it at home, which is causing problems. What's the story down in California? We're dealing with that most of the time in the states here, too, and in California, where, okay, you know, we've got a state law that says you can possess and consume. Uh, a lot of the local municipalities don't like that. You know, they're actually surprising to people in other parts of the country. A lot of parts of Southern California, especially Orange County, are relatively conservative. They're full of big money Republicans who, who don't want a pot shop. Down they're the all liberals company. down there. <laughs> Not at all. Really, it's, uh, you know, this is, uh, hey, you know, Reagan came out of this part of the country, right? I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's quite surprising. But anyway, uh, so... Yeah, I, you know, I'm sorry it becomes kind of a complicated answer, but so there are individual uh, municipalities or counties, mm -hmm. and, and this has happened hundreds of times on the west coast of the United States between uh, Seattle and San Diego. This just happens all the time, also in the state of Colorado, where the counties and the towns ban cannabis businesses. Wow. They cannot ban consumption or possession because that goes counter to state law and okay. you can't do that okay but what they can say is all right well and it's unfortunate that the laws in those three states uh in washington and oregon and california do not prohibit those municipalities from banning cannabis businesses that is very complicated yeah now sometimes it's rare unfortunately but sometimes the state will say hey individual jurisdictions you you can't ban a cannabis business and if that's all they had done in california we wouldn't there would be no bans it would be like hey sorry you know uh jurisdiction xyz you can't ban pot shops uh and we're gonna go ahead and you know make that happen legally unfortunately they can and often do ban yeah in canada even like we're seeing it where people are living in apartment buildings like they need those public consumption spaces because they can't even consume in their own home. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's highly ironic. You go you go to Denver, uh, and you know, uh, or Portland, and you, you just no, you know, you don't have a medical exemption. You just walk into a dispensary. Uh, you you buy yourself a quarter ounce of, of top shelf Jack hair or whatever. You uh, where do you go smoke it? You go to the public park. You're breaking the law technically, although you know there's a good chance you can get away with it. Mm -hmm. I recommend using the rolling papers that make it look like uh, a tobacco cigarette. I think it's a yeah. nice little trick. Absolutely. Uh, but you know, you go back to your hotel room, and then uh, you know we've all known people who got. Uh, uh, a couple hundred dollars added to their hotel tab because uh, they were smoking in a non-smoking room. Right. Um, you know, there's very few smoking rooms available at more. So, so yeah, at the technical legal level, hey, you can you can buy it, you can possess it, you can consume it, 
all, but you can't consume it here. And sometimes it's illegal to even consume it in your own damn backyard. Wow. I'm curious about roadside safety as well. What devices are cops using to test for cannabis impairment down in California? Again, there's like a lot of stuff going on and it's just kind of we're at the cusp of it, right? So activists and advocates who want to influence public policy, they need to get in the game right now. They, they should already be involved with, with all of this. Um, because uh, again, individual, you know, a sheriff's department, police departments, they're going to take whatever budget they have and, and they're going to tap into vendors of breathalyzers and blood, blood toxicity level testers, you know, and yeah. saliva testers. And, you know, there's going to be both good and bad vendors of good and shitty products yeah. and services all over this just because everybody wants to make a buck, quite honestly. Absolutely. Everyone good and bad smells dollars in the cannabis industry. Yeah, well, that's a good sign for for a lot of us like like yourself and I who are in the cannabis industry. But it can also be um, in practice. It, it I'll give you an example. Um, so we have this breathalyzer that they're giving people that only tests for uh, the THC molecule. It doesn't say how much you've had. It's just like a positive negative. So if I take my CBD and go for a drive, I'm going to test positive even though I'm not impaired. So. It's a huge issue, and a lot of the tests we're trying up here, like they're not quick enough. You need like a urine sample, which is gonna take too long. So a lot of times, cops are just doing old school, like walk along a line, see if you know you yeah. keep your balance, and that yep. seems to be like the quickest way. But you're right, there's a lot of a lot at stake here, a lot of money at stake, and I think that will drive uh, technical innovation. Um, I kind of want to backtrack a bit to talk about the black market. How prevalent is the black market right now in California? Are there raids being carried out like like it's happening up here in Canada on unlicensed um, operations? Sure. Oh, yeah. There's there's raids occurring all the time here in the States. And uh, sometimes they make press and sometimes they don't. But here in California, there there are raids all the time. Um, you know, it, we kind of come off as being the land of milk and honey when it comes to cannabis. And that's simply just not always the case. There's a lot of, you know, nobody has a crystal ball, but a lot of experts theorize that once legalization hits on January 1st, there's actually going to be a new wave of enforcement right. because opponents of our culture and our industry are going to say, OK, you, you got you got what you wanted. You pushed it through. You know, we're working through the regulations. Uh, we have some regulations here. And oh, look, uh, yeah, your farm is out of compliance. You know, you got three acres and you're only supposed to have half an acre. Um, and there's also theories that it's not so much going to be black helicopters. It's going to be the tax man. It's, it's right. going to be, you know, uh, yeah. looking for that. Yeah. You know, they're, they're going to be coming in saying, hey, you know, you, you owe us tax revenues. That's what they do with all other industry segments. Right. Look right. how they shut down Al Capone. Right. They didn't shoot him. They got him on tax evasion. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And especially when the money starts to flow, like you said, um, when legalization happens, uh, the same thing in B.C., like there's all these gray market dispensaries that are operating just fine from the moment being. But. You know, in our case in Canada, it's next summer, July 2018. That's going to be a big issue. And I'm, if there's not that integration of the black market, like it's just going to cause more and more problems. Um, here's here's my theory on black market, 
And, and this is after really kind of thinking about this for years, because we, you know, people like you and I, we have friends in the black market. We have friends oh, in yeah. the legal market, right? Absolutely. And and so, you, you know, I, I can kind of see both sides of this. And yes, I want to see it go toward legalization. I don't want the bulldogs and the AK-47s. But really what this comes down to in the United States is, okay, we've got 50 states, you know, yeah. and how many of them is adult use illegal? Okay, I, I'm not asking you for a number, but just I want all the listeners to be thinking about this. Right. Okay, it, the black market will thrive in them, but this isn't as simple as looking at an individual state in an isolated sense because that's ridiculous, actually. Half the weed grown here in California is shipped east. Right. I don't care if they're black market or legit. It's just market demand. When the kids in Chicago and Columbus, Ohio and Cincinnati are paying four hundred, five hundred dollars for really good indoor hydro, you know, that's got like 23 percent THC. That's the way it works. Right. The people here, they got to send their kids to college. They got to put food on the table and they're shipping that back east because the profit margins are mind blowing. Right. Absolutely. So whether that comes from um, like a gray market or a fully legal establishment, like it's just going to flow no matter what because of how good the, the product is in California? It's not only the quality of the product, but like I say, the West Coast has been exporting weed for decades. They're really good at it. Yes, they, they, they are. Sometimes they do hundreds of pounds in really big trucks, and they manage to pay off the right people or avoid the authorities or however they do it. But somehow that cannabis makes its way to New Jersey and uh, the East Coast. I mean, the logistics of the black market are quite astonishing. I have uh, a young colleague, uh, writer, photographer uh, in New York City, in Manhattan, actually, and she was visiting recently, uh, and we met at a pub, and we were talking about, you know, black market, all these topics we're talking about now, and she said, you wouldn't believe the delivery services in New York City. She goes, I can't believe it's illegal there for adult use because it feels totally legal, yeah. and I said, really? I'm kind of I'm shocked by that, and, and I said, but it's all deliveries, and she said, yeah, me and all my friends. She goes, we all use delivery services. It's the only way we get product. And then she yeah. said, but guess where all the product comes from? It's got to be California. She said it all from California. Absolutely. There's the same thing in uh, uh, Canada. I guess the BC Bud would be our um, version of California weed. Just a, Yeah, yeah. yeah. I. Why? And I think it's the growing climate you get on the West Coast, too. Uh, yeah, you know, and the culture of, counts for a lot, I think, as well. Uh, that yeah, West right, Coast, right. yeah. Outdoors, yeah. yeah. A lot of people don't know that OG means ocean grown. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I've heard, yeah. I've, people say original <laughs> gangs, and I'm like, no, no, it's ocean grown. Um, well, yeah, if you're talking like uh, applying the label of OG to a, to a person, right? But uh, when it comes to <laughs> cannabis strains, yeah, that is original gangster, original godfather, whatever, right? Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's ocean-grown. It's, it's, it, that's why, I mean, quite frankly, the weather sucked in Humboldt County. I'm not sure I want to go back there for a very long time. I'm loving it here in L.A. The weather is great, right? But yeah. although humans might not love the weather in the Emerald Triangle, cannabis plants freaking really dig it. Yeah, it's perfect climate, hey? It is. Good. Well, no wonder it's, uh, you're doing a great job with what you've been given in California, for sure. Um, what do you think the biggest challenge is facing the cannabis industry in California right now? Oh, man. Um, 
you know, it's estimated that just in the Los Angeles metro area, I talked to these like top shelf attorneys uh, who specialize in cannabis and licensing and such all day long. You know, it's, it's just what I do every day. And they estimate there are between 500 and 1,000 dispensaries in the L.A. metro area, uh, a little more than 100 of which, let's say, maybe 120 are legal. Now, that, you know, that changes every day, right? You know, there's yeah. people getting licenses, and it's, like we say, it's a very complicated uh, regulatory environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so January 1st, you know, just uh, two months, actually, mm-hmm. like almost to the day, in about 60 days, California takes the sixth largest GDP in the world up against China, Russia, the United Kingdom. Okay, California is the sixth largest economy in the world with 40 million residents. And they're all going to go adult use overnight. Now, a lot of them are going to keep consuming from the black market, but many of them are, they fall into this category where they won't consume unless it's legal. So when it goes legal, they are going to jump in. But back to your earlier question, I don't think there's going to be any shortages. I, (laughs) not from what I've seen up north and a lot of those people up north, again, they're, the population density in Northern California is very low. Uh, so they're shipping it all south down to the Bay Area and to Los Angeles, or they're shipping it directly north on the black or directly east on the black market. So where do you see the cannabis industries uh, five, ten years down the road in California? It's going to be really exciting, but there's going to be a heck of a shakeout. So if we're talking, there's you, you know the best estimates say between 500 and 1,000 dispensaries in the LA metro area alone, most of which are illegal. Gosh, you know, 18 months from now, how many of them are still going to be around? Right. You and know, hopefully it's a just, lot of them have maybe, um, with the help of people like yourself, um, got their paperwork in order and joined the, you know, the bigger economy, the the legal market. Right. Right. And and getting that paperwork in order, unfortunately, is is very expensive. You know, uh, and a lot of people are not going to be able to afford the cost of doing business. Uh, in a legitimate, you know, legal environment, and right. and I, you know, I kind of feel, I kind of feel sorry for those. There's a lot of people that love this plant and love this industry, but don't have three or four hundred thousand dollars to mm. launch a dispensary or start a cultivation facility. And you know, I hope that they're able to find places in the industry as it moves forward. Absolutely. Um, before we wrap up, is there anything you'd like to add, or anything you'd like to plug, Gooey? I just, you know. Um, I, I think this is a really complicated environment. The idea, I, I mean, I've been doing this for a little while and I've been surrounded by activists and advocates and it's always been legalize it, legalize it, legalize it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and yes, of course, of course, you know, I know that's a simplistic two words, right? Legalize <laughs> it, but that's, that's what we want to do. But when a large, complex, economically driven society does that, Wow, the devil's in the details, and it's complicated and expensive, and, you know, there's there's a lot of good people who are going to get pushed out of this industry from an ownership perspective. Maybe they'll work for, for someone else, and I think everyone – I guess if I were to give any advice, people in the cannabis culture and industry need to be accepting of the mainstream because by legalizing, we're bringing this out to the mainstream, mm-hmm. and – you know, if if we can't be accepting of that mainstream, if we can't invite in the Wall Street money and, you know, just because they don't smoke joints at lunch doesn't mean that they can't be powerful 
uh, positive players in our industry, right? Mm -hmm. We can't expect it all to be Scooby-Doo stuff because that's just not the way it works. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for all your insight, Gooey. I'd love to have you back on in the future. You're, you're a fountain of knowledge when it comes to this stuff. So thank you for hey, taking thanks, the time man. today. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Matthew. And uh, yeah, let's do it again because this is a really fast-moving train, and uh, there's some real exciting stuff happening. But but boy, I encourage everyone just really do your homework and keep your eye on the ball because this regulatory oversight and just the whole movement of legalization is moving very quickly. Excellent. Well, I'd like to thank you again for joining us, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate it. That wraps it up for another episode of 420 Pod. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed our show, be sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes and SoundCloud. For inquiries about the show, contact Amber at 420clinic.ca. Also be sure to check out our brand spanking new website online at 420clinic.ca. For all of us here at the 420 Clinic, this is Matthew Lundy signing off.